there's a lot of, to explain here, but Chris Farley says, uh, brothers don't shake hands, brothers hug. Right. And gives him this big hug. Robo's so. like, you're not my brother. This would be a great hot mic moment. And that's why I hate Tommy Boy. Like. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Peach Pog. I'm your host, Luke Boggs, and I'm joined not by one, but two people today. I'm joined by Tommy Valentine and Ruth Pannell? Panel. 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 How have I never known that before? We've known each other for like a year. I've never had to say your last name. Nope. No one ever knows. Yeah. Panel. I would not have guessed that, obviously. S- sounds different than it looks. It does. And so, the reason why I'm talking to them is because Tommy Valentine is running for, uh, County Commission in Athens Clark County in District Nine. That's right. And then Ruth is his communications director. So we're going to talk about a lot of things with Athens. So Absolutely, let's do it. The first thing I wanted to talk about is um, when I met you, I was like, Tommy Valentine's going to run for something. I don't know <laughs> what, but it's like this is just painfully obvious that like you want to run for something. Mm. And what was m- most interesting about that to me in this current time we're in is that was before Trump won. Right. And so many people that I've run into lately that are running for the first time, like Trump is like a huge part of that. Right. And maybe the entire thing. And so I kind of want to just ask you, like, what made me have that impression about you when I first met you? And why, why are you doing this? Well, you know, I think the reaction people had post-Trump was a real awakening to some of the threats to justice that exist in our country. That wake-up call was something I had already gone through in 2008. So in 2008, I was the campaign manager for a gentleman named Bobby Saxon, who was running for the 10th Congressional District. He ran against Paul Brown. And it was during that race that I spent a lot of time in rural Georgia counties campaigning for a Democrat. And a lot of the language I heard, a lot of the sentiments I heard were so diametrically opposed to what I think most Americans agree with. You know, I mean, these types of discussions like uh, gun control or access to civil rights or um, the right for a woman to make choices about her own reproductive rights. You know, all those issues have a pretty much an 80% consensus around the United States. But when you go into a lot of these rural counties, you see how much work there is to be done. So I was as shocked and disappointed as anyone when Trump won, but we were already on the ground before then. Uh, at, growing up in Athens, you're painfully aware of the fact that you're growing up in the poorest college town in America. You're going to school every day and making friends with and running track with and doing clubs with friends of yours that are happy to come to your house, but that uh, don't want to invite you over because of the conditions that they feel, you know, they don't want to expose other people to. And so, yeah, I mean, honestly, since I was in high school, I've been working to increase awareness of uh how many people in our community are experiencing poverty and homelessness. Um, and with every passing year, it became more and more clear that we had a political establishment that was either unwilling or unable to tackle those issues. And yeah, so Luke, I, I feel like day to day, week to week, every time I ran into you, I was getting closer and closer to that decision. And a lot of that getting closer and closer had to do with the fact that I just kept looking around and not feeling like anything was getting done. 
Yeah, that's actually uh, going on to one of the things I wanted to ask you about because um, I'm hoping to talk to just about everyone who's running for county commissioner sure. in Athens. And um, my big frustration is basically exactly what you just said, mm-hmm. that like nothing has been done right. recently. And my personal feeling is that we are constantly having committees to have committees to think about committees right. to do a study to then do a study to think about oh, studies. the study study. You don't right. like the study yeah, study? Yeah, I don't like the study studies. Um, and so I'm a, I'm a big anti-study study person. But the, the thing that I was kind of wondering is what do you think the problem is and, like, why is that constantly happening? Because, you know, there's a couple of reasons you could think it could be that way. It's like, one, we do a study and then, oh, we don't have the resources, we can't do it. Right. So that's like a more pragmatic, legitimate reason. Then right. there's like just failure of leadership or what I what I think probably is, is there's a failure to commit to a vision of the future of what the city is going to look like. Yeah. And, you know, so I've laid out a lot of potential well, ideas. I mean, so I, what, I agree with think? all of those. Uh, yeah. But the, the, the key word you said that I would agree with the most is vision. Look, um, a lot of our elected officials at every level here in Athens from... Uh, the commission to the school board. I mean, at every level, we see a class of politician that's a career politician that loves banquets. They love being recognized. They love being uh, awarded. But they don't have any real vision for this job. A lot of them have run unopposed for year after year after year. And so what you see is just a group of people that like being popular barbecues. They don't have any formal training in government. They don't have any experience in understanding policy. Uh, several of them didn't grow up in our community. They don't have children that are currently growing up in our community. They don't really have any ties here. At some point, what happened was no one was going to run for this job, and they decided to run for it, and now they're in. And it's kind of like any job, all right? Like, are you good at job interviews? Like, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, I would, <laughs> yeah. I would imagine considering you're hosting a podcast, right? Yeah. But, but, you know, you and I both know being good at the job interview is not the same thing as being good at the job. Uh, I think that – let me add this last note here. Oh, no, go, go for it. Well, uh, I think that what you're seeing is a combination of failure to research and failure to do outreach. So I think that, you know, Martin Luther King talked about the fierce urgency of now. He talked about uh, when you're confronting problems like systemic racism or oppression, uh, you have to act with the fierce urgency of now. This has to be the house fire that is creeping through your home, and you have to act with urgency. And I don't see that in the Marion Commission. They're very detached from the fact that 40% of this community is living in poverty, from the fact that one in five families is waking up food insecure, the fact that 40% of our children are living in poverty. I, I mean, I don't know a school teacher in Athens that doesn't have a, uh, a drawer full of food for kids that just aren't eating on the weekend. And so what you see instead is a commission that loves vanity projects. They love that new shiny thing that their neighbor wants them to build. Or, you know, They're catering to the neighborhoods that vote. And what I'm not seeing is any vision for where Athens is supposed to go. It's just all very reactionary. Yeah. Well, on that note, then, where, yeah. where does Athens need to go? What, what do we need to do? Well, so let me tell you a little bit about how we uh, developed this campaign. So in 2016, in the heart of the fight over civil rights ordinances in downtown Athens, and I'm happy to talk more about that fight a little later if you're interested, but in the middle of that fight, 
we really just had some critical moments where we were looking at our mayor and commission and realizing they weren't listening. Uh, in particular, we had a demonstration one night where we advocated for a civil rights committee. We presented 50 cities where those committees work and what a difference they make in terms of discrimination. And I looked up and watched the mayor and commission as each person got up to the podium, including people of color, people that were impoverished, and I watched their eyes just glaze over at uh, the mayor and commission. And so, for one, we need to go to a place where that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. But what we decided is we have a problem in Athens where people don't listen. And so we, we did what was, uh, I think, pretty unique. We did, you know, my degree, my master's is, I have a master's of public administration. And one of the things they teach you about uh, developing policies, you have to do a needs assessment. And part of that is you have to go to the people and find out what they perceive their needs to be. Right. So we held a series of community meetings at Lay Park in our district. Uh, we held them for months. And during that process, we paid close attention to what people's fears were what people's hopes were, what their wildest idea of a solution might be. And we slowly whittled away until we ended up with a six uh, category uh, platform uh, that will soon have a seventh category. But we've stuck to those six categories for since really since 2016. We've been running on this for about 18 months. We've been consistent. And uh, that vision is a vision where of a city that can offer opportunity and justice for all. Yeah, and I, I wanted to hit on your campaign structure mm -hmm. because uh, when I kept bugging you to do this mm -hmm. because you've been very busy, one of the things I thought was really knowable is the fact that you wanted to do it with Ruth yeah. and you wanted to do it with your campaign staff, which then uh, made me, you know, sort of like click the pieces together when I was like looking at your social media and then I, you know, try to do a little bit of research for this show. Sure. So I looked at your website. You're basically invisible on it. I can't find you. Yeah. There's no about Tommy page. Like that was. Tell the, me the, about yeah, it. Yeah. There's no about oh. Tommy page, but there was a staff page, yeah. uh, which is usually not a thing on campaigns of, you know, the size of, you know, President Obama's or right. the size of yours, you know, anything in between. I've never seen a staff page before. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting. And my favorite part about yeah. the staff page yeah. is there's a picture of all I think five people yeah. and you're in the middle yeah. and you're the not you're not labeled. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> technically not staff. Yeah. So, right. Well, so, I mean that's true. So so I, look, I think that look, what you described is not a mistake. Uh, and, I would hope not. And, no, no. I mean, um, <laughs> because if you look, accidentally came to that, no, it would be, be amazing. I, I, I like most people our age. Uh, I was very inspired by Bernie Sanders, and Bernie has made a career out of keeping focused on the issues and not on a biography. Right. A lot of times we, you know, Franklin Pierce, one of our presidents, famously, he won the race for president on a biography that he convinced someone to write that was entirely fictional. Right. I'm tired of fictional and over-exaggerated biographies. It's not that I don't have a story. Uh, it's everyone has a story. Yeah. What we are focused on in this campaign is bringing people together, getting them united, getting them trained. And I, I'm interested in hearing Ruth's input on on this strategy. But I, 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 I let, let <laughs> Ruth me. Ruth is giving me looks let, for the viewers. Yeah. Home. Let Let me make a, a I guess a, a note that's at least interesting to me on this. So we're in a campaign. And as part of that campaign, there's another candidate in our race. And for those of you that are listening, you know, uh, the other candidate in our race is also a Democrat. It's someone that we highly respect. In fact, every volunteer that 
volunteers for our campaign. If you're listening and you want to volunteer, we'd love to have you. But every volunteer is expected to sign a positivity pledge. Uh, they are not allowed to say anything critical of the other candidate in our race. We are focused on one thing only, which is running towards this job and, uh, and connecting people to the process. Why what you just described with the staff page is so important is we've made politics all about competing personalities. It's who can tell the best yarn about their their life, who who can be the most colorful character. Uh, clearly, yeah. we just have to look to the White House for that. Um, and so what we've decided is, look, if we want to see the kind of radical transformative change in Athens that Athens will need to have to no longer hold the title of poorest college town in America, it's not going to be about who's the best person. It is about who is going to have the strongest coalition that is going to be able to work citywide, because I will be one of 10 commissioners. And ultimately, what you see in our campaign is, you know, it's not uncommon for us to have an event with 200 people or more. And those people are from all different walks of life. You see that reflected in our staff and our volunteers. And frankly, to me, that that's the unique thing. Right. You've Look, anyone who's watched politics in Athens have seen interesting politicians come and go. What's interesting about our race and what we hear about all the time is that it is rare to see a group of people coming together um, from all walks of life, from all racial backgrounds, from all gender identities, orientations, immigration statuses, to see everyone like that coming together for a shared goal. That's far more interesting than any bio I could put on a website. Most creation myths are just that myths. <laughs> That's and, right. They're myths. They're boring. That's right. Yeah. Um, but yes, what are your thoughts, Ruth? I'm sorry I haven't come to you earlier, <laughs> but Tommy can wax poetic. <laughs> yeah, I definitely can't talk as eloquently as Tommy can over here, but... Better? Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I do think it is very important that we have been focusing a lot on the issues and keeping to these six main platforms that are very, very important to us. But mark my words, by May 22nd, I will get Thomas K. Valentine to write one paragraph about himself that I can put on the website. Yeah. Mark my words. I will hold you to that yeah. commitment. Um, I that harass him about it roughly once a week. Yeah. Um, well... Why do you think it is an important thing? Because Tommy has just given me a very good argument as to why I should not care about him at all. So, like, convince me to care about Tommy Valentine. I think that his argument is very valid, and it would work if we were giving that argument to every single person that was going to vote for us. However, I think that there's the risk of people going on our website and thinking it's sketchy that we don't really have anything written about this man and they, they're just like who is this i don't really know like i feel like i'm flying on the wall in your war room right now which yeah. is great yeah we had this argument last night yeah oh, okay <laughs> it's a it's, it's look it's a weird one to have because i look uh anyone who has the hubris to run for office clearly thinks they're capable of the job, right? Right. And so, there. I mean, there's a narcissism just in deciding to run for office. And anyone who's known me for a sufficiently long time can tell you that it, it's a sign of growth that it's been this hard for me to promote myself, right? Right. I, um, look, the, the basic version for your listeners out there is this. Uh, I was raised here in Athens, Georgia. I've been here since I was five years old. My father is a, uh, the, uh, uh, for the listeners here, Ruth is transcribing this, so they should probably get the bio. Um, you know, I was raised. I'll make sure you guys get copied. Okay, good, know. good. Yeah, I'm going to 
This um, is going well, verbatim listen, on our website. I subscribe. Put the clip. I subscribe to Peach Pod, so it's okay. Yeah. Well, um, uh, which by the way, if you're listening, uh, please uh, subscribe to Peach Pod. Um, anyway, uh, I just wanted to uh, to give a short bio. So let's do this. So. Um, I was raised here in Athens, Georgia. My father is the first person in his family to graduate from college. Um, He is now a professor at the University of Georgia, um, where he studies literacy and adult education. My mother uh, also really emphasized the importance of public service to me. She's an emergency room nurse, and uh, all she's wanted to do her entire life is help other people. I was raised in a family where we were taught to understand from a young age the importance of our privilege. Uh, My great-grandfather was an undocumented immigrant from Italy. His wife was an indentured servant, and uh, they had to wait several years before they could get married. My last name is Valentine because my grandfather, there was so much fear about Italians, the same way you see fear right now about immigrants, that uh, Valentino wasn't a safe name to have. Um, and so, uh, and also Italians, while not as severely, were also affected by redlining. Um, and so they were considered a mark against an area. So it was e- easier to get a home with the name Valentine. Um, and so I, I grew up in that kind of swirling mixture of education and service and understanding of privilege. Uh, I went to school to Gaines, Hillsman, and Cedar here in Athens. I made a lot of good friends. Um, And a lot of those friends were people that came from different backgrounds. Uh, That's where I learned that not everyone was coming home to a warm meal on the table or a safe place to study. And I watched a system that sorted me into spectrum and friends of mine that honestly were way smarter than I was uh, were just ignored largely due to the color of their skin. Um, uh, In high school, I fell in love with hip hop. And uh, I became a battle rapper. This, uh, so I was a battle rapper for about five years. I ran a record label here in Athens, which is where I learned a lot about the importance of being an entrepreneur and managed bands and uh, hip-hop artists. And in 2008, while living in the district I'm now running for, I, uh, in that district, the Obama headquarters opened up in 2008. And that was the first time I thought, well, maybe all these skills I've learned Uh, helping to integrate the downtown music scene and working as a hip-hop promoter and artist. Maybe I could use this as a community organizer, as an activist. And so I worked for Obama's campaign for a little while uh, as a volunteer, and then I uh, became a campaign manager for the congressional race. Uh, That race did very well. Uh, We got 40% of the vote in a district that only has 30% Democrat. We actually outdid Obama in our own district, which was uh, quite a feat. And I went back to school for poli-sci. I went and worked corporate for a few more years to uh, better understand management and profit and loss statements and how economics worked. Uh, Came back and did here to Athens and got a master's in public administration and policy and uh, left out the most important part, which is where I married my wife seven years ago on Monday. Congratulations. Thank you. And... uh, And yeah, it was during the master's and learning all about public administration and policy that it just hit home once again how much work there is to do in this city. And I had, throughout this period of time, been doing uh, poverty awareness benefits. I had been working with local artists. I've been doing everything I could to try to support this community. And then finally, the straw that broke the camel's back was 2016, the fight over 
the downtown discrimination ordinances. And that was really, that was it. That was the moment where I realized that uh, there wasn't anyone else coming, that it's up to our generation now. You know, if elected, I'll be the first millennial to ever serve in athens Clark County as an elected official. And uh, I realize now that a lot of the elected officials that are starting to retire and that are on their way out started at the same age that I am now. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm running out of a sense of duty and faith and love. And uh, But the most important belief I have is that you have to bring people in the process that, frankly, we're, it, it's going to take as much energy to upend the system uh, as it took to create it. And so we got to start stacking our numbers. Yeah. Well, first thing I point out is I, I find it mm-hmm. <laughs> Ruth is celebrating that we have successfully made Tommy talk about himself. Yes. Um, but I was also going to just say it is ten fifteen yeah. at night, yeah. and the first time that you looked tired was talking about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah, it seems like you. I was. It was physically painful for you to talk about yourself, which yeah. <laughs> which I found interesting because kind of want to. S- See, because Ruth seems to be in the camp that you should be talking about yourself a little yeah. bit. And the, re- the reason I, I want to ask you about this, yeah. Ruth, is that campaigns that I like and mm. campaigns that I've usually been drawn mm. to are campaigns that tell a story. Mm. That there's a story that they are trying to tell and um, the struggle that the candidate may have gone through is usually a small reference point for the mm-hmm. type of change that they want to see and change that they've experienced personally. Yeah. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm sort of fascinated. I'm not even saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm yeah. just fascinated when I look at your campaign. It's about your team yeah. and it's about the issues, but there's like that lack of narrative yeah. to it. Well, and I, and can, can I say this? So, uh, I think we're all movie lovers. Well, I, did, I did say Ruth. Oh, Ruth. Yeah, okay. we should have Ruth answer right. it. Yeah. Hit me, yeah. Ruth. <laughs> but your answer will be after Ruth. Sure. Yeah. As well it should be. Exactly. So you're, you're getting it. This yeah. Is yeah. <laughs> but I'll definitely talk movies, but still. Yeah. I really, I really do love the way that we have approached this campaign. And as the communications director, like being in charge of doing social media and sending out the emails, it has been very refreshing to always be talking about what our volunteers are doing and what our interns are doing and what our staff is doing but I am also on the inside I even though yeah I'm not talking about it on social media I know Tommy as a person and I think that by not talking about who Tommy is as a person uh, people just kind of people see you Mm. and you're a very tall very handsome bald white man (laughs) who just speaks very well and like but then they go on our website and they go on our social media and there's nothing about you and like it's just it's weird i agree it's It's very it's very (laughs) sketchy yeah and like if i like i can just tell you that if i didn't know you as a person i would be like who the hell is this man like because you look at the campaign and yes, it is the campaign that we are trying to get people excited about and yep. the ideas that we are trying to get people excited about. But affordable housing isn't on the ballot. Tommy right. Valentine is on the ballot. Right. So people need to know. People need to know who you are. Yeah. They need to un- they need to know that you're not just this well-spoken person because I just learned things about you. We we talk <laughs> all the time. I just learned a lot about you yeah. in that 2-minute spiel that you just yeah. gave. And people 
need to know all of this about you just so they know that all these things you are saying because as we've talked about so many times in this campaign and just in our staff meetings because of the nature of the county commission elections because they're in may and people don't really pay attention to them and they're nonpartisan people say a lot of things right like they really they'll say things and then they absolutely do not follow through with that when they are in office and so people need to know that you have, even though you're saying these things now, you haven't just started saying these things. Right. Just to run for office. You've been actively doing these things. And you've been actively fighting for the rights of everyone in this town long before you ever thought about running for office. So, so just like a paragraph. No, listen, I, I hear you. <laughs> a paragraph. Listen, I, 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 this podcast is slowly turning into an intervention, and I yeah, really appreciate that. I, I did not um, expect this. No, um, I tried to give you one yesterday, so I'm really no, glad it's, it's good. working. Yeah. Look, I mean, look, our, our campaign really values, uh, I mean, we have group meetings going, conference calls going, we have constant dialogue. And so, uh, you know, Luke, I've known you enough, long enough to know that I trust your political acumen, so I think it's interesting uh-huh. that you, you picked this up. Yeah, and Ruth is clearly picking it up. Uh, l- let me let me say this, Ruth. I agree, and I will give you that paragraph. <laughs> yes, let, let, let me let, let, let me say let me say one last thing here. All right, on 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 the subject of bio, I told uh, you all it was going to happen by May twenty yeah. second. So look, I I, <laughs> do, I do agree that it is important to know who you're voting for, and when you leave that gap, you leave room for people to fill it in. You know, for example, uh, early in our campaign, we had people that were calling me. All kinds of untrue uh, names. Uh, at one point, we found out that there were people out there trying to convince folks that I was uh, a carpetbagger who had moved to the city. You know, I mean, this is the district I started politics in, have lived in. I was literally baptized in this district. Whoa, Tommy, you um, did move here when you were five. I moved here when I was five. <laughs> um, there, there was a, a push for a while that I was a secret Republican, which would be a really big secret because that's a secret to me. <laughs> yeah. Secret um, to everyone. And, uh, and, uh, and so, yeah, so I think that it is important to make sure that you're up front. I also think it's important that, you know, we've worked long and hard to campaign on these issues, these six issues that I hope to go into greater detail about in a moment. Um, and those issues came from a person and came from a movement. And so, you know, we, we've seen in prior campaigns uh, the way that someone at the last moment can just adopt a platform if it seems popular. Right. And if you haven't carved out why voters should vote for you personally, then they're free to do so. So I, it's not that I don't – having been a campaign manager before, I, I understand the importance of uh, speaking up for your candidate personally. I will say a few things on that. I feel like our campaign manager, Mariah, does that eloquently so that I don't have to. Uh, I think that Ruth, you, and Lydia, and Anna, the, the staff, and the interns and volunteers – um, have done so in ways that I, I couldn't. But I, I, I mentioned movies earlier. Yeah, I wanted to get back to that. Yeah, so, um, you know, if you ever read an essay or anything on screenwriting, one of the things I'll tell you is show, don't tell. So, it, you know, if, if a house is haunted and scary, show that it's scary. Don't have the people walk into the house and go, ooh, it's scary in here. Like, that's bad writing. And um, I think you have to have more faith in your audience than that. So our campaign's about show, not tell. I'm not going around passing out my resume. I'm not going around uh, trying to convince you that, uh, that I'm a hero. Uh, what I am doing, though, every day is I'm trying to show 
that I am here to listen and I'm here to work and that I am part of a coalition that is also here to listen and to work and that several members of that coalition are future candidates themselves. Um, I mean, we're, we're developing a bench for progressive Athens. And so, yes, we, we will get the born such and such, went to such and such, did such and such out of the way. <laughs> we'll get it out of the way. But I also hope that the most remarkable thing about Bernie Sanders, few people truly understand everything he did as mayor of Burlington or uh, a lot of the you know, political bullet points in his, his background. And maybe that was to his detriment. Maybe if he had done more of that, people could have understood what a solid agent of governance he could be. But what most people admire about Bernie and why he's the most admired political figure in America right now, he has the highest approval rating of any political figure in America right now, is that he had a clear set of ideals that he didn't waver from, and he had clear, bold, progressive policies that were worth passing. And, and that will always be my top priority. Uh, second to that priority is not getting beat up by Ruth. So we will get that bio. I'll do it. Yes. Okay. Bio, bios, bios everywhere. Oh, yes, bios everywhere. Yes. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, just because I think you might be the first candidate that I've talked to that has an MPA. Okay. What do you think the most useful thing that has given you in running for office yeah. has been? I, I think in America we do uh, a disservice to ourselves by conflating the private and public sector. So we tend to say, oh, so-and-so was a good businessman. Let's elect him for our government. You know, clearly that's our president right now. Yeah, but, but we do it on the local level, too. We say, oh, so-and-so has a business. They're a community figure. They, they'd be good at this. But the public and private sector could not be more different. And in in, I've worked in the private sector. I was a general manager in, uh, for K Jewelers for years and did retail management for multimillion-dollar organizations. But you always have the profit motive. You know when a business is successful. Right? All right. How do you know? I mean, performance questions people don't consider. We have a housing and community development department here in Athens. It's a fabulous department uh, run by uh, Deborah Lonan. And, uh, uh, but how do you know if it's performing well? Like, I, I know it is because I know how to look. But most people don't even know how to measure performance on a public entity. Well, let's be honest. Most people don't know that department exists. That's right. That's right. Uh, and, and so um, so despite how incredible their work is, they're not given sufficient budget and status to expand their mission. I think that having spent time studying public administration and policy, for one, I understand public financial management as opposed to private financial management. I know, you know, uh, in business, all you need is a profit and loss statement. And ultimately, all you care about is, are you profiting? In the public sector, it's, it's harder than that. You, you have to be able to discern performance in a nonprofit paradigm. And I think that in Athens, that's especially important because we have so much work to do. You know, if we were in a city that wasn't suffering from, you know, approximately 40% poverty with a 4% unemployment rate, if we weren't in a community of working families and working poor, then yeah, maybe we could be more lackadaisical about this. But we can't here. I mean, what we have to do is we have to have people that have studied policy. That And I'll say the single most important thing I learned as an MPA is the importance of researching case studies. Athens is a unique city. I love it. I will probably retire here. My wife is due in a week. We will have our first child soon, and we will be raising her here. Um, but we're not so unique that we can't look at solutions that have worked elsewhere. And so I think that the training I've had 
in finding comparable case studies and policies that can be applied in uh, developing those policies to work in a local context. I think that will be valuable, especially when we combine it with our campaign's ability to uh, bring people together. Yeah, and you actually hit on what I was going to ask you next, yeah. which is you're about to become a dad. Yes. And like, has that changed anything about your campaign or any of the ways you're thinking about it? Um, yeah. Because um, some of the candidates have had a more like family focus and mm-hmm. trying to think about Athens as like a family city. And yeah. I haven't seen too much of that from you. I was just kind of curious, you yeah. know, what, what sort of your thoughts there on that? Well, so we, we talk a lot about working families and we, we talk a lot about people that have slipped through the cracks. Um, one of our six key components we talk about is education, especially from a lifelong learning standpoint. So we do think, I think we think a lot about human beings. Uh, every, every single meeting we have, uh, Ruth can tell you because she hears it all the time. At some point in that meeting, I'm going to ask everyone in the room to reflect for a moment on how many people woke up in Athens that morning not sure if they were going to eat. You know, because I mean, if it's one out of five families, you do the math, right? I mean, it, it's thousands of families that woke up this morning not sure if they were going to eat. And if they did eat, it was probably sending someone in the family up to the convenience store to pick up some chips or a honey bun or something like that. Um, so I think I've always been concerned with families. Uh, this wonderful blessing that my wife Laura and I are experiencing, the fact that we're going to have our daughter Nora. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely makes it personal. You know, I think back to the night of the election, uh, the 2016 election, you know, uh, Tim was, I don't think he had had his baby yet, but it was on the way, Tim Denson. Yeah. It was on the way. Yeah, on the way. Yeah. And I remember how worked up Tim got that night uh, about Trump's election and about uh, that he was planting the flag in the sand and that he was saying, like, enough's enough. You know, like, I'm not going to have my kid grow up in this. And that was something I could sympathize with, but now it's something I can empathize with. You know, uh, being a parent, uh, there are all kinds of parents out there, and I'm not sure what kind I'll be. I just know I'm gonna try. But what I do know is that I want certain things for Nora. I grew up going downtown and if I wanted to hang out with a friend who was a person of color, I had to have advanced coping mechanisms. We had to meet by the Starbucks and then go in together because otherwise I might get in and my friend who's African-American won't get in because he'll be told that he's in violation of a dress code when he and I are dressed the same. Uh, I was always able to get in with ball caps and white shirts when my friends weren't, you know, all, all this stuff. I know what it's like to be pulled over in a car and have the, be the only white person in the car and hear the way the police officer is talking to the rest of the vehicle until they lean over and see me in the passenger seat and everything changes. I, I've seen that kind of stuff my whole life. And um, I think that there are some new trajectories on that. I think Chief Freeman's a really positive force. I think there's, there's good work happening, right? And there's tons of good law enforcement officers here and everything. But I know that I want Nora to grow up in a world where she doesn't have to do all that stuff. You know, where she doesn't have to jump through Jim Crow level hoops just to have friends that have a different skin color than that she is or that have a different orientation or identity or immigration status or age. I, I want I want an Athens that that offers equality. And the hard part is because our city votes about 70 to 80 percent Democrat and because we're a quote unquote blue town, we have this misconception that we're progressive. 
and we're not progressive. We're solidly Democrat, and there are admirable ways that we've affected the region. Just look at the Deborah uh, Gonzalez race or Jonathan Wallace, the way we just elected two amazing candidates through activism here in Athens. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's hard not to get worked up thinking about the world that Nora deserves and the world that so many families in Athens deserve. Uh, and it, it makes it that much more personal. Yeah, well, you've been itching to talk about that, so let's let's talk about your platform. Sure. Um, so we have... Ruth is excited. Yeah, so... It's a good one. Uh, yeah, so we, we wanted two things here. We wanted our platform to speak to people in terms of hitting the categories where government intersects with their life. But we also wanted clear ideas we wanted to pass. And I want to let that linger for a second that we wanted to pass. When you knock on a door in Athens, Clark County, the first thing that they're going to tell you they care about is education. And I've watched a lot of people I respect pander to that. And by that I mean, look, I went to Clark County schools. I am passionate about Clark County schools. I'm on the Cedar Shoals local school governance team uh, for my alma mater. I love Clark County schools. And I want to support strong local public education. My wife's a public school teacher. But I'm a commissioner, and it's disingenuous for me to act like I'm a school board member. My roles and responsibilities are completely different. And so I just am tired of the pandering in general. I'm tired of candidates that get to your door and they say, like, I'll give you the the pitch every candidate has said for 20 years. Um, Well, I just think that we need a government that works better for some people uh, that it hasn't been working for. I think the government's only been working for certain people, and I think we all know who that is. And I think we need a city that works better and more efficiently, and that offers more opportunity. And you know, and and they just—it's all generic. It right. means nothing. It's word salad. And you know, the fact of the matter is that most so much campaigning is about name recognition. That if you go to that door and you say that word salad, you've missed an opportunity to connect a voter to the issues. Right. So we were very deliberate in, in the issues. And if you visit uh, TommyForAthens.com or if you go on Facebook, Tommy for Athens, or on Twitter, Tommy for Athens, and that's Tommy, T-O-M-M-Y, for, F-O-R, Athens, um, you'll be able to read more about the platform. But I, I'd like to just kind of break through each point. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, great. Um, we're so, not paying for Tom here. All right, good. <laughs> um, so uh, the first issue has to be the most important issue in a platform. And since Athens' number one issue is poverty, that's our first issue, um, is how, how do we reduce poverty? In uh, the early 90s, when Athens, the city, and Clark County, the county, merged and became a unified government, we had to pass a charter to do that. And in that charter, there is language that guarantees, with adequate budget and status, an anti-poverty program. It is one of the most shockingly progressive things I've ever seen in a municipal document, and yet there it is, legally binding. But we don't have the office that it's describing. It describes an office of uh, human and community development, and that's great. And we have one. As I said, Deborah does incredible work. That, that, I mean, they, we just need to put more resources behind them and help them secure more grants and more staff and more energy to do the work that they do. But the point is that if you go and find that language, it says that they will look at the causes of crime and that they will address the causes of uh, poverty, that it will, you know, basically that they will give a voice to the voiceless. You know, it, it, is, it is a staggeringly ambitious and hopeful inclusion. 
and we need to live up to it. It's the promise our city was founded on. And so that's our number one priority is I want a department in Athens-Clark County, a permanent initiative, not a nonprofit initiative, not um, an initiative outside of the government. I want the municipal government to stand up and say, this is our city. Our city's top priority is poverty. Therefore, we will have a department that focuses on this. Um, And so we want uh, a, a department that annually measures poverty. I want it measured by commission district. I want these commissioners to have to be held accountable for poverty in their own districts and the way that it changes year to year. You know, we can get them. You Look, poverty is bad in your district. That's fine. Give us a most improved award. You know, if you're not capable of moving that needle, then maybe you need to be replaced. So I think quality measurement's a key part of it. Um, I think we need to. That sounds like the MPA coming out. It is. It is. Uh, Look, and it's the same thing when I worked corporate. Uh, Team performance is measured by team member performance. And if I was trying to determine when I was managing at K why we weren't trending in the right direction, very often it came down to one or two employees that weren't motivated. Well, the way you motivate them is you measure their performance and you give them specific updates on how they're doing. You can't do that in Athens. You know, I mean, in, in Athens, you can't tell me how a commissioner is well, currently doing. you can't. You can't. Yeah, we right. need to. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah, there, it, it, it's possible. But I want to know how a commissioner is doing. I want to have a job review. I want to have a I want to be able to once a year say, how's this commissioner doing? What's that commissioner's scorecard? Not what are they saying or have they learned the new right buzzwords? Are they reading the right Tana E.C. Coates uh, article in the Atlantic? You know, do they know how to, like, perform progressivism? Right. I mean, are they getting it done? Um, and so poverty is a, a key, key, key aspect to this, making it a, the number one priority in Athens. Um, I want a comprehensive evidence-based anti-poverty initiative um, that is run by the city. And anything less than that is shameful. If you have a city that's 40% poverty and you don't have a permanent municipal initiative to move that needle, then you need to get out of the way. Especially when it's required by your bylaws. Especially when oh, required. That's right. Especially when required by your bylaws. Perfect. Um, education. So, uh, for one, I think we can do a better job of supporting local public education. Um, our commission has largely been absent. Um, you know, I'll give you a specific example. Um, last year, unfortunately, one of my classmates, Quentin Moses, passed away. And... Uh, we had a uh, memorial for him at Cedar Shoals. Uh, Quentin was an Athens hero. Uh, he was someone who had risen to the heights of professional football, but had also always remained a humble and, produ- and, and uh, compassionate member of our community. And so when he died tragically in a fire, uh, I was thrilled in certain ways. The, the mayor issued a proclamation honoring his life. Uh, we, when I went to the vigil, there was even a school board member, the East Side school board member there. But there was no other elected officials there. There was no one else, like, honoring this person. And, and so I don't see that involvement in our local schools and the graduates of our local schools. I don't see a commission that is at pep rallies and at school games and that is supporting, through their presence, local public education. Um, it can be simple. I read to my wife's class once a week. You know, I mean, we just need to see people that are more involved in our schools. 
I want to point yeah. out one yeah. thing about that that yeah. I really like. Because when you yeah. started to say education, I'm like, Tommy just told me right. how everyone right. comes and say, we're going to do all this stuff with education, right. but they're not school board members. Right. And then I have to give you credit, yeah. none of that was a thing that a commissioner could not do. That's right. Well, so, so okay, um, Ruth, all right, so I want to do a sidebar for a second. Right? Oh, yeah. So we'll come back to education, but... But, look, speaking of education, one of the more common questions, and Ruth, would you agree with this, that there's a lot of confusion in our district about what a commissioner even does? Yes. Yeah, I mean, among our staff, too, right? I think there's confusion among everyone who breathes. Yes, hey, what Ruth, a commissioner what does. does a commissioner do? Don't ask me to explain this right now. <laughs> a commissioner is able to pass, to get government initiatives go I don't yeah. make me do this right now. No, I mean look look, think about the difficulty, right? Think about the difficulty I'm Ruth's not having. Explain this. It's hard it's a hard job to explain. Right? right. And so a lot of times what we say is uh, there's the way when people ask me what does a commissioner do, I say, Are you asking me what they currently do in Athens Clark County? <laughs> I are think you, that's uh, where the real confusion is. Right. Comes. Yeah. Right. Or are you asking me what a commissioner could do? Um, most people we knock on the door don't know there's an election coming. And by the way, we're knocking on voter doors, right? They don't know who their commissioner is. They don't know. Uh, uh, luckily, I mean, in our district, we have Kelly Gertz, who's, uh, you know, been a consistent voice for progressivism in Athens. And so a lot of them who do know their commissioner have very favorable opinions of Kelly. But we're just always amazed at how few people know that there's an election coming, that, that know there's a local government that really cares about them. And, and then also, so yeah. many of the people that do know that it's the election, they know that Kelly's running for governor, uh, for mayor, for governor. governor. That'll come, yeah. Yeah, right, later. Right, yeah, right. later. Yeah. Uh, that Kelly's running for mayor. Right. And that you're running for county commission, they'll still think the election's in November. That's right. That's right. Yeah, no. And so I think that an important clarification when we're talking about the education component of my platform is commissioners have roles that are more expansive than the kind that we're seeing. Uh, look, uh, one of the things I really just don't like about our local government is that if you walk into our city hall, there is a rail, a wooden rail that separates the public from the mayor and commission. I promise you, if I was in the position to do so on my first day of office, I would rip that rail out. There's, it, it, is, it creates this idea of a holy of holies between the mayor and commission and the, the public that I think is really distasteful. A commissioner should be an active member of the public. Not just at wealthy donors' houses, not just at country clubs, not just at banquets, but I'm talking about in churches, in community places where the, uh, where the community is really there. They need to go into districts and parts of their district that uh, voters don't vote and see what their concerns are because you've sworn an oath to take care of the entire city. Um, it's kind of like the president. The president is uh, supposed to be a commander-in-chief, supposed to care about the executive branch, supposed to deal with legislation, supposed to use the bully pulpit. They have veto powers. There's a wide variety of things that they can do. So, yes, as commissioner, I will not be able to forge formal education policy in case through 12. But there are educational initiatives we can do. Um, I'll only give you two other examples there. Um, one is my district has a Athens Tech in it. And as, uh, as much work as has been done about connecting UGA to Athens, we have not done enough work when it comes to connecting Athens Tech to, uh, to our city. And so I think we need additional bus routes. I think that there are, um, 
we also need to leverage that workspace to do more job skills training. So I think that we, you know, uh, education is a lifelong pursuit, and our city tends to only care about it from a K through 12 level. You know, right now there are commercial driving uh, licenses available. There are welding jobs that are available. These are jobs that all pay, you know, double or triple what the average income is in Athens. And they're available, but we don't have people trained to do them. So I think that as part of an anti-poverty initiative, you have to invest in an education of that sort. And so, yeah, so I, I think that education in that way, viewing it as a lifelong component, supporting our local public schools, those are things that... Uh, a commissioner can support passionately and do through their role. Um, before we get on to these other issues, uh, Luke, do you have any questions about any of the stuff we've gone over so far? No, I'm I'm following it. Okay, good. yeah, good. I just you know it's it's odd to talk this long. Um, yeah. Uh, so the next issue I want to talk about is justice reform. The top policy we want to pass there is decriminalization. Uh, we can follow the Clarkston model if we want and do deprioritization. And I'm talking about marijuana decriminalization. Uh, let's, be bold, let's be bold here and not just, you know, dance around the subject. It is ridiculous. Everyone knows in 2018 that it is ridiculous. You know, um, I'll give you an example. Darius Weems. Darius Weems went to Cedar Shoals. He, like me, you know, we're Cedar Shoals uh, alumni, and uh, he... Uh, is most known for Darius Goes West, uh, which was uh, Darius suffered from a severe health condition that limited his mobility um, and his lifespan. And Darius Goes West was a documentary about a journey he took across the country. By the end of his life, Darius was confined to a wheelchair, confined to a room, and unable to do anything aside from inspirational speeches uh, via Skype to other areas around the country. Uh, despite that fact, during an arrest of his roommate, his room was searched, and uh, he had sufficient marijuana on there to be arrested on intent to distribute. Darius Weems was not the kingpin of crime in athens Clark County. Darius Weems was a young man that was dealing with a lot of pain. And the fact that we still live in a city where someone like Darius, near the end of his life, rest in peace, Darius, uh, that near the end of his life, he would be arrested over a plant that grows in the ground is ridiculous. Um, we are ruining lives. African, we, the data show us that white folks and black folks uh, use marijuana at the same exact rate. But if you are an African-American person, you are far more likely to end up with a drug-related felony. You're more likely to be pulled over in the first place. If pulled over, you're more likely to be searched. If you're once you're searched, you're less likely to be able to defend yourself in the judicial system. And as a result, we end up with a bunch of people walking around with a felony, which we in this campaign tend to refer to as the Scarlet F. Because once you have that, you know, the, uh, the idea of a new Jim Crow is true. You, you can be denied housing. You can be denied employment. You can be denied a scholarship. That's one thing I don't think people realize is these drug-related arrests are directly related to people not being able to pursue a secondary education. And, and what I think is so objectively cruel about this is we know how many of our former presidents have smoked marijuana. We Pretty know, much all of them. Right. We know that, we know that uh, most Americans have. And so the fact that we are still doing this is insane. We all know it's insane. It's the, it's the final days of, pro, of alcohol prohibition, but we're still putting people in jail and treating them like they're the Al Capone mob. And so uh, 
Clarkston demonstrated the way this works. You, you reduce it to a citation, it's a fee, city's happy, makes additional revenue, the person's happy, they're not serving a jail sentence, um, and we can move on with our lives and stop destroying lives over marijuana. Um, it's costly, it's destructive, it's unethical. Stop scarlet effing people. Stop scarlet effing people. Ah. That's right, I like it. That's what you're here for, I To bring myself back from the redemption of my embarrassing last comment. I love it. Not being able to explain the commission in it's, 10 sentences or less. It's difficult to explain. Um, Especially when all yeah. they do right now is approve high rises. Right. Um, our, <laughs> that that can be Ruth's Segway. Platform. No, when Ruth, when Ruth runs, that'll be... Uh, Hey, Ru- hey yeah. qualifying hasn't. That's right, Ruth. Yet. There's still time. There's still um, time. I gotta do my homework, okay. y'all. Okay. All right. So, all right. Uh, justice reform also includes a civil rights commission uh, or committee, permanent and municipal. It also includes comprehensive anti-discrimination ordinances. Um, moving on from that, um, we also need to talk about uh, economic justice. We need a living wage in Athens, a fair and living wage of no less than fifteen dollars an hour. I understand that the state preemption laws make that difficult. You knew exactly what the look in my eyes look, was. Look, I get it. I, look, the thing is, though, like, I just am so tired of the excuses. If you're a commissioner and you say, well, I can't do that because the state capitol won't let me, then why don't I ever see you down at the capitol? Why aren't you down there advocating? Why aren't you lobbying these legislators? Why aren't you on television? Why aren't you on the radio? Why aren't you using bully pulpit? Why aren't you doing the job of convincing the state legislation? I guarantee you this, you have a louder voice than a lot of the other people in your district. So if you're not putting the pressure on them, I mean, look, Amendment 1, two years ago, Amendment 1 tanked. It's the governor's attempt to take over our local schools. During that period of time, I, like a lot of progressives, in this town made strange, sudden friends with a lot of conservative people. Why? Because there is a general consensus that as Americans, we have the right to govern locally. And, you know, we need a city that that protects that right. And one of those rights should be being able to set local wages. So I think that we need an economic justice component that says we need to remove the barriers in Athens that have prevented the creation of an African-American middle class. We need to be deliberate about removing discrimination in the workplace. We need to fight for higher wage paying jobs and attract high wage paying employers. We need to invest in job skills training. Um, but all of that is worthless if we do not have a fair and living wage. Um, and I, as one aspect of economic justice, I also want to say just because we're at UGA, uh, I'm so thrilled to see that uh, UGA now has a union. Um, I think that's excellent. Um, and I think that we need more labor protections for local workers. I'll pause for a moment because, you know, I know we're on four of six. Yes. Uh, thoughts or feedback so far? What do you think? Uh, I, I'm enjoying the fact that this has you more fired up uh, <laughs> than talking about you. And yeah. you don't look tired anymore. So I, that's I, good. I, I'm he so, does not like talking about himself. He does I, not. And it's, it's, you know, obvious that this is authentically what your campaign is about. So that part is good. Thank you. Um uh, constructive criticism. Yes. Uh, this is building good solutions to the problems, mm-hmm. but I don't see a coherent vision of, like, this is the Athens of tomorrow. Sure. Like, what is the tomorrow okay. land sure. of Athens? So um, I think that's a great point. Uh, our slogan, which usually campaign slogans are just kind of... Building a better tomorrow, tomorrow. Right, yeah. Athens 2.0. A fairer city for you and me. You know what I mean? Uh, the, those slogans are, are just claptrap. Um 
ours came together really because it reflects our vision. Ours is opportunity and justice for all. I want to live in a city where everyone in the city has equal access to opportunity and where everyone in the city can expect equal treatment in terms of justice. That's not controversial. That should be the very base level of what we need. One of the remaining platform planks that I hadn't gotten to is transportation. And it's a good example of this. The most common way that people interact with their local government is transportation. They drive on local roads that are maintained by the city. They, uh, maybe they're worried about going too fast so they're not pulled over by an officer of the city. Uh, but for most people in our city that are poor, the most common way that they interact with the city is through the bus. And they are paying close to $2 per trip. Not round trip, each way. And if you're someone who is trying to raise a family of four on $14,000 a year, that is a very heavy load that we can take off people's back. So fare-free transit, which over 40 cities around the country and around the world have done, has done, uh, that's a good example of a clear thing that we could pass that would make a big difference. In addition to increasing transportation access, family-safe protected bike lanes throughout our community, not just in the uh, wealthier parts of it, right? So th that component. So let's translate that to your constructive criticism. Our vision is for a city where four years from now, we have a ongoing initiative to directly address poverty. We have commissioners that are managed and measured so that the community has clear transparency on how they're doing where citizens can hop on and off a bus without paying a fare using, and, and basically it's the same model that UGA uses. Everyone pays a fee, you pay it on your tag and title, everyone in the city is suddenly entitled to get on and off the bus without any extra hassle. The buses run faster, they are more efficient, um, and you don't have to pay for fare boxes or fare processing, which actually is a cost savings. And so people can go where they want to go. You want to go to a night class? Go to the night class. You want to go to Athens Tech or UGA? You can go there. You want to go to the parent-teacher conference of your kid? You can go there. And when you do that, you're going to walk into a school environment that's better supported by its community with more local involvement from the mayor and commission. When you, go, when you take the bus to your work, you're going to find a job that pays you a fair wage. I mean, what we're imagining isn't utopia. We're, imag right. we're imagining a community that is free of the barriers and discrimination that have held it back for so long. All we're, you know, I've heard people describe our platform as radical, and really what we're actually saying is, can we just, we're saying we live in a house with a rotting foundation. What if the foundation wasn't rotting? I mean, the six platform planks that we have are all about how do we uh, support that foundation, rebuild that foundation, and then talk about, once we've established the bare minimum of what everyone in Athens needs, then what does progress look like? And so it's, it's a complex vision, but Athens is a city with complex problems. Yeah. Well, uh, we're, we're coming on the end of our time, so I have two questions left. Sure. Due to someone needing to vacuum this nice room wearing an <laughs> yeah, UGA, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is for you, Ruth. Tommy obviously wants to win. That's his goal. And you obviously want him to win because you're working for him. Beyond that, what is your goal for this campaign? As a, you know, someone working on it, someone devoting a lot of time to it, losing sleep over it. 
you know, what what you want to see out of this campaign besides Tommy winning, independent of him winning or losing. I think one of the most important things that we do is the issues that we talk about. And as, to plug myself, I'm the president of the Young Democrats at UGA, and a lot of the interns and the volunteers that we have on this campaign are young Democrats, and they're freshmen. They're coming into the school just seeing it as the school they go to, and none of them have cars, so they never really leave the realm of the UGA campus. And so they're learning and understanding about the problems that this city faces outside of the borders of UGA. And I think that that is incredibly important work because as students, we are incredibly privileged to have the time and the money and the resources to really be able to put work forward to make Athens a better place than we left it. And so I think just talking about the issues and advocating for the people of this town, it has been a really, really positive step. And I think that it's doing a really great thing just helping to teach these young minds about all of the important issues that Athens faces that a lot of them, quite frankly, can be pretty attributed to some of the things that UGA does. Like not pay its workers a living wage. Yeah. And I think I I will highlight that I think in my years at UGA Young Dems, this has been one of the stronger, more locally focused, you know, times at leadership. So good good work on that. That was on purpose. (laughs) National politics are really depressing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, And so the last question that I always ask to wrap up this show, and I don't know how we'll handle it with two guests, but we'll figure it out, is I like to flip the table and have you guys ask me something, which you've already kind of done a little bit. But yeah. yeah, so so I, so I I got a question, and then so yeah. I do want to say, listeners, so that I don't do the Rick Perry like I you know <laughs> I say, have three, three things. things and I forget yeah. one. The other issue we haven't uh, talked about tonight, but uh, is affordable housing, um, which is a, our sixth platform plank, and we're about to introduce an environmental plank. Uh, if you're interested in affordable housing, especially as a means of addressing poverty, we invite you to visit our Facebook page where we did a. Uh, Shameless plug. Shameless yeah, well, we did a Facebook, we did a, a virtual town hall that uh, over a thousand people have seen or engaged with. We also are holding a uh, lot, we're a town hall in Potluck on affordable housing at First AME Church in our district this Sunday um, with a panel of experts on housing. And so I just want to make sure that that's out there so that we didn't leave the sixth one hanging. Yeah, and it's only leaving because a uh, underpaid UGA worker needs this room. Well, so, so actually, so, so that, that's my question. All right, so here, it's, here's the thing. I'm going to share some with you. Here's the question, okay. all right? When I was an undergrad here, I was driving to campus one day, and I was driving near the, I was idling near the bus stop over by Mama's Boy, and I saw this guy, and he was just um, the most overtly poor person I'd ever seen, because poverty tends to disguise itself. His clothes were torn, everything he had was in plastic bags, um, and uh, I drove by him, and I very briefly uh, saw him, and then I did what a lot of people of privilege do. I felt good about myself for seeing him. Oh, I must be a good person for seeing him, you know? And then I drove onward to the building we're sitting in right now recording this, and I went to work on a paper. And by then, as you can imagine, I wasn't thinking about him anymore. I wasn't seeing him. I was working on this paper. I was self-absorbed. And so then I finished my paper. And I uh, printed out the paper, and I was very happy with myself, and I started walking down the stairs. And as I was walking out, I said goodnight to the custodian. And, 
the custodian was the guy I had seen earlier. And I guess some of the clothes he had had in his bags were his UGA uniform. And I have never stopped thinking about that, about what it's like to work full time and, and not be able to expect a basic decent amount of living, you know? So, so my question to you is, we've talked a lot about our platform, our campaign, our philosophy. Uh, I've been given some homework as a result of today. Yes. I have to go write a bio. Um, Victory! But, but I mean, Luke, you, uh, and, and I want to hear Ruth's question to you as well, uh, but you've lived in this city for quite some time. You're familiar with it. You yeah. and I have worked together on things before, like trying to, uh, you know, working to support and reform the local Democratic Party. What is going to have to happen at the mayor and commission level for things for so that we don't have to have working poverty to the level I just described? Like, what what is it going to take for us to turn that corner? Yeah. Um, I have to admit, that's that's hitting me hard emotionally. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to fight through that for a yeah. second. Um, but um, I'm from South Georgia, yeah. which is... A very interesting animal because where I'm from is from Camden County, Georgia, Mm -hmm. which is actually a lot like Athens in the sense that there is a local population that is very, very poor. But then there's this transient population because of a Navy base that's very, very different. And so there's always that weird kind of like, oh, these, you know, the locals have a dynamic and the transplants have a dynamic. And... The thing that I think Athens suffers from deeply, that Camden County also suffered from deeply, is only understanding the problems and the needs of one part of that population. Mm. And they did a good job understanding, like, hey, you know, like, this is how we can get some economic development. This is, you know, the things we need to see downtown. And so, you know, from... That viewpoint, if you look at what the mayor and commission has done, in my opinion, right. makes 100% sense because sure. they are focused on that one piece of the pie, mm-hmm. and they are really aggressively pushing things that will help them. Why are there so many downtown high-rises? Well, that's what that population wants in right. Athens. That's what they need in Athens mm-hmm. because they want to be closer downtown. They want to be spending their parents' money downtown, and that's that's why they focus so hard on that and that's why everything that we've been talking about tonight has been much much harder um and unfortunately that's because the current commission that's where their butter gets bread yeah their bread gets butter sure you know (laughs) well i think it works backwards yeah it kind of does but yeah but um to to change that, and this is kind of why I hit the the larger vision of Athens thing, is because I feel like people understand how to make Athens great for you and me and Ruth and you know people that have the opportunity to go to college and right. have those sexy tech jobs right. and have you know Athens have a lot of things that we would like to see, but I think there's a lack of empathy from people who work on the mayor and commission and run for those positions of the real plight of people who are people that work really, really hard and people that care really hard about their community, but like life has screwed them over so much that they are just trying to keep going. And then many of them have given up. And I think part of that is because they don't hear um, anything and they don't feel heard. And part of it is because they've been let down too much. And 
I I don't know how to fight that, you know, and that's that's sort of the thing that I've struggled with and I've tried in because I've had several other conversations with folks about running Athens and this is just a recurring hole in my heart with it because it is so hard and so much of it is beyond what the current frame of mind is willing to accept that we can tackle Mm -hmm. and I think um, on that front it's going to take very a real commitment to every day waking up and looking at the numbers that you talked about and seeing how unacceptable they are because even if Athens was only 5% poverty that would be unacceptable and there's more that we should and could do and so we got to figure that out. Right. And I think, I guess why I also, it kind of comes back to what I was saying earlier about narrative and story. I think that's really important mm-hmm. because I think the numbers, the numbers you told me, I've listened to them. Yeah. I've heard them before and it, I felt nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I care, but like, you know, and I, I do this for, uh, it's, you know, it's my passion. It's what helps me uh, keep fighting uh, right. most days when I don't want to. Um, and I think in numbers a lot, but that story you told me in three minutes affected me way more than any of that. Right. And I don't think most people in Athens, it's really easy to be blind to that. So it's fall. It's skydiving. Yeah. I mean, if you're falling out of a, a plane uh, and you're thirty thousand feet up, you the ground doesn't seem real to you. So thirty eight percent poverty. I mean, how do you how does your brain even process that? Right. That that four out of ten people you're running into in this city are poor. Like how do you how do you even grapple with that? Especially when the poverty lo- line in America is so low to begin with. Right. So, but I'll tell you this: you would notice if you hit the ground, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so and so the we we have a community. I'll, I'll add that la- this last note to that metaphor. We have a community that has lots of parachutes. Right. And so that number doesn't seem scary. The ground doesn't seem so scary. It seems far off. It doesn't seem real. Um, and. My answer to your question is we got to get out there. We've got to listen. We've got to engage people. We've got to have events in places where people meet. And then even if we start out cynically, we won't remain cynical. Because when you're talking to someone and looking them in their eye and they're telling you that they go to work 80 hours a week and that their kids are still unable to have food on the table all the time because those 80 hours a week are split between two fast food jobs and that neither boss understands why you're having to work the other one. It just gets harder and harder and harder and harder. Right. Um, Then you'd work harder as a commissioner. And so that's the thing is we're not just running a pretty campaign. We've been doing this for 18 months and I've personally been doing this kind of work for my whole life. And so we're committed to a commission that is accessible to the people that is intentional about doing outreach um, and that leaves themselves open to the, to feeling that hurt. Yeah. Um, Ruth, what question do you have for Luke? So, Luke, you have been a student at UGA for a long time. Too long. <laughs> you did your undergrad here. You're in law school now. You're involved in the ACC Dems. Uh, you're involved with Young Democrats of Georgia now. And, you know, the student population is really big. It's a, what do we have, 40? 30, 40,000. 40, yeah. yeah. A 40,000 people population that's completely transient people will be here for four eight years and then they leave um but that's a huge chunk of our population so 
and I obviously have my thoughts about this because I spend so much time with the students, but what do you think is like the most important thing that students can do to actually help make an impact towards the issues that the people who actually live here and who have always lived here and will always live here face? I think the, the most important thing is to find a local issue that you care about. Because for me, um, I was brought to politics for a lot of like national and state reasons. Mm -hmm. And I am a late adopter of of local issues, I would say, just due to the fact that um, being from Camden County originally, it's a lot harder to get literate on like what's going on in another community when you lived like 18 years in one place. It's really hard to like start wrapping your head around a different place. And you know, lucky for me, Athens was somewhat similar in some noticeable ways for me, and that helped helped me get started. Um, I I would say finding some issue, some candidate, some campaign you care about, and then just giving it everything is is what's been the most helpful for me you know because when i started working for spencer fry it was because of i was drawn to him but i was also drawn to his issues and the way he that he approached things and the strategies that he wanted to use to fight these problems and you know his commitment to athens habitat for humanity i was really drawn to because i'm happy that affordable housing you did not let it like drop because that is such an issue in my mind that i think is so important because um I just know take I took for you know I take for granted that like my parents' house is my parents' house like I know that is the place where they will be right. and so many people don't have that and the uncertainty around that and the fear around that is so so real because I think it's really noticeable you know because I'm in law school right now and, one, and I'm taking property and one thing that this country like is obsessed about yeah. and this state is obsessed about especially is property rights right. they're really hardcore on people's property rights and they really want people to be able to hold on to their property and there's a lot of implications there with you know slavery and red there's lining, a lot of yeah redlining and there's a lot of implications there with um uh with uh just you know rich and poor too right. but i think it also reflects something as well which is how much power there is in giving people property right. and how much power there is in fighting on that issue. So it kind of is a, a very amazing issue to me because it goes so strong in both directions at the same time in that how having these strong property rights really hurts the issue, makes it harder to get in, but it also shows how critical it is that we get people into owning property because of the amount of power that that gives them and the amount of stability it gives their family if they get there. Yeah, and so. actually one thing I want to say about something that you said a couple of minutes ago about the fact that four out of ten people you run into on the street are living in poverty. I think one of the hardest parts about this issue is that's really not true mm. at all. That's especially to students and especially to people who are living in the main populated areas of Athens. Yeah, that's true. The places that people who are living in poverty live is not where I live. It right. is, we are like, it's so hidden right. and so invisible. And I know that a lot of the neighborhoods where there's a high, po like a high concentration of people living in poverty I could. I don't know where those neighborhoods are. I've never been to those neighborhoods. So many people, like, they never ever see poverty beyond the homeless people downtown. When these people, when when like they're you know drunk downtown, right. going between bars, that's really their only interaction with poverty. And so, 
like you hear this 38% number and you're like, right. I don't think that's true. I've never seen that before. And I think the scariest part about that is that's intentional. Right. The people like affordable housing has constantly been pushed to the edge and edge and edge of Athens as Athens has grown. And so it's just such an invisible problem. And like you said, like they may not necessarily be dressed like they're poor. So if you do see them, right. like you have no idea. And so to so many people, like that number not only like doesn't make an impact, like it feels fake to them. They're right. like, that's not right. true. Right. Yeah, no, it's the thirty thousand foot view thing for sure. I we um at, we have a potluck once a month. Uh, at, usually at my house. This is the first time it's not going to have been at my house, the first AME one. And uh, last month we, we, we were talking about this very issue, and we said that in Athens we've escaped poverty. And by we've escaped, I mean we've developed a community, designed a community that is completely possible to move throughout your life without ever stepping out of your bubble. You know, uh, all of our friends and neighbors that are experiencing poverty are uh, and that's the other thing I, I wanted to say. I'm always trying to correct my language. Right. There's no such thing as a poor person. There are people that are experiencing poverty. Right. And the sooner we understand that, the sooner we understand that that is a result of policy, and that is a result of compassion. So, for the people in our community that are experiencing poverty, we have designed a city where they are pushed to the periphery and ignored, barred from opportunity and basically guaranteed a life of poverty. What we're fighting for in this campaign is to rip down those barriers, even if it makes us uncomfortable, because, uh, uh, and so that, to Ruth's point, we can honestly say that we are rubbing shoulders with and talking with every day, the hidden 38% of our community. Yeah, and to go back to your question because it, yeah. it just hit me. Yeah, I think what because I've been here since 2011. The big thing that I have noticed is what Ruth hit yeah. on, which is that the people experiencing poverty in Athens are slowly being pushed further and further out of Athens, right. and that and then that is a literal pushing. It is a right. geographical movement right. that neighborhoods that I knew when I got to Athens, like oh, that's you know and. A neighborhood experiencing right. poverty has now become student housing, right. effectively. You yep. know, it's it's houses that are now being rigged out by, like, three UGA students right. when it used to be a family trying to make it. And so I think going forward, being on the commission, there's going to have to be an active thought process of when the future of Athens is planned in that big micro macro way that I keep thinking about is that that 38% has to be part of that. Right. We can't abandon them to, you know, Oglethorpe County, which right. a lot Pushing of until they're not even in Clark right. County right. anymore. And I mean, it's getting close right. in some places. They're getting pushed outside the perimeter. Yeah, we, we have, uh, there's, uh, this is my last plug for the, the website <laughs> and the forum, but you know, uh, Mariah uh, Parker, who's our incredible campaign manager, she and I had this virtual town hall on this subject. Uh, uh, Ruth very kindly shot it for us and helped uh, us post it. If um, you watch it, at one point you will see me briefly when the camera falls over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. Um, <laughs> but, there, you know, during that, uh, like, 80-minute conversation, we outlined 15 different strategies that other cities are using, things from trust funds to granny flats to inclusionary zoning. There are ways that you can address uh, affordable housing in a community like ours. And Luke, I mean, you, you said it way better than I have ever thought to say it, which is that 
land, land is power. Land, yep. land is power. I mean, we recognize money's power, that knowledge is power, but land is power. And the sooner we can help people in our community own the properties that they're paying for every month, the sooner we can move away from a rent-based local resident economy to a homeowner-based resident economy. Um, especially considering some of these people probably could buy the home they're in. They just don't realize it. They right. don't realize what resources are available. Their family have been denied access to uh, capital for generations. Uh, you know, uh, if you read Mirsha's, Mirsha Broderon's, uh book, The Color of Money, it talks a lot about how things like the Freedmen's Bureau have eroded uh, faith in the African-American community uh, in banking, and that's on top of Jim Crow and redlining and everything that's completely eroded their ability to own land. But the sooner we, we help our neighbors afford housing, the sooner we ensure that additional housing units that are built contain a certain number of units that are tied to actual affordability, uh, the sooner we'll have some real justice. Yeah. Well, we have a lot of work to do. Yeah, we do. Uh, so uh, we, we better stop talking start, <laughs> start, start getting to yeah, it. Yeah, it. so thank you both for being on. This was great conversation. If you want to work for a super cool campaign, sign up at TommyForAthens.com I hear I hear there's a bio coming soon. The new yes, bio coming there soon. is. Yeah. And if you have any questions and you're listening to this, uh, honest to God, we do this all the time, you can call me. My phone number is 706-296-3583. Lord knows if you've listened to this long, you've earned You that, want more. You want. Earned, well, I just yeah. mean you've earned that phone number. Yeah. Um, call, call me or text me, 706-296-3583. We'd love to hear your concerns or get you plugged in. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you. That's our show for the week. If you like what you heard, share the show with a friend and go over to iTunes and give us a rating or a review. It really helps other people find our show. We'll be back with another episode of Peach Pod next week. Until then, take care, y'all.